gosh, I haven't done this in so long. Um, <laughs> These are the cameras. They're recording us. This is a mic. Cameras, We're talking yep. into it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm <right>. Garrett. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So this is Quentin with Lawn Care Accelerator. Uh, I'm with Garrett Smith with Augusta Lawn Care of Glendale. And uh, we're going to be talking about like pricing and price matrixes and and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, you guys uh, obviously remember Garrett um, from uh, a couple other videos I've done. And um, yeah, he's just a young stud here in uh, Colorado with an Augusta franchise. And uh, yeah, so how has the uh, winter been going for you? Um, it was... A little bit slow in January and February. Um, December, um, started sending out some marketing emails, and that really helped fill the schedule. And then January and February, I did a little bit of Christmas lights, so we had some takedown. We got a decent amount of snow, I feel like, or we just had snow and very cold days, so it was hard to be up on roofs. So Yeah, well, like all, all of January, like I remember seeing that um, – 28 out of 31 days in January, there was more than two inches of snow on the ground. Dang. Which which is pretty crazy for Colorado. Yeah. It, yeah, it was cold, it was snowy, and then nothing in February. And so far, nothing in March. Yeah. But March and April are the snowiest months, so, uh, you know, as we start gearing into spring and trying to get all that stuff scheduled, I'm sure we'll get like a 14-inch snowstorm that throws everything out of whack and unfortunately yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it'll be good for the lawns and you know all all that water which is you know job security i think (laughs) yeah that's a good way to look at it yeah um so yeah let's uh let's go ahead and um you know maybe talk about kind of what you got going on for maybe the next couple weeks um are you scheduling stuff are you are you doing any work like if you are doing work uh what kind of work are you doing yeah, so we are starting our spring cleanups. We're trying to really like the strategy is pull demand forward because last year it was really like I started doing work last week of March was like the very first revenue. And then April was like a little bit of like a steady trickle. Then May happened and end of May and June was when it was just like absolutely nuts and I couldn't take on any more work and I couldn't, I just like felt like overwhelmed, I guess. Mm-hmm. So the strategy going into this spring rush is pull demand forward. So we're telling, I'm telling clients that we are doing all of our spring cleanups. It's more of just like educating them this time of year in March is when we do our spring cleanup. So if you want a spring cleanup, now's the time because we're going to be too busy once mowing season comes with all the new mowing clients, all the overgrown mows, training up team members, all that stuff. We're going to be too busy to take on spring cleanup. So I've just been, yeah, trying to educate customers about like our calendar in terms of service mix and when stuff happens. So right now we are getting started on like a first application of fertilization. Um, We started doing some aerations, which I know it's maybe a little early, but we're just pulling that demand forward. (laughs) And um, well, it's a good moneymaker too. Yeah, this this early, you know, help help kind of get cash flow going. Yep. So that's been nice. Um, Also, been doing some leaf cleanups since we had a ton of early snow in November. A lot of people didn't get their leaf cleanups, or their backyards have been covered like in snow. So we've been doing like a decent amount of leaf cleanups, um, which has been good. But um, obviously no mowing yet. Um, did a couple property cleanups where they were just like old, like abandoned rentals. So like we literally in the wintertime, we'll like 
I'll take on some work that's slightly outside of what we would regularly take on. So we did, um, we installed some sod on, what day is that? It's maybe Wednesday. Is this week. Okay. Just like a little bit like a patch job in this lady's like front yard. Just some of her grass had died. So we installed some sod. Cleaning out some gutters, you know, just trying Where'd to get Where'd you scrappy. get your sod? Because it's still dormant. Yeah. I had to call so many places. <laughs> and then I drove like... It was over an hour to go get this, like, it was only 20 rolls of sod, but I called so many different people, and I had, sometimes my scheduling- 20 rolls, that's, that's, uh, they're 10 square feet, aren't they? Yeah, so it's about 200 square feet. That's pretty good for a, for a sod install. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't like a whole entire yard or pallet or anything, so. Six pallets and- yeah. Yeah, so that, that was good. But, yeah, like I said, just trying to get scrappy and pull demand forward. So right now I got one full-time guy um, out in the field. And then next Tuesday having a little – it's technically a non-surgical procedure. And so I'll be out – I like it's kind of like on my hip back. So mm-hmm. I'll be out for like eight days where I can't drive or like do anything. Jeez. Um, so that's going to be a little fun because during those eight days, um, do you have a girlfriend that can come and bring you food and, <laughs> and cook and stuff? Um, yes. You do. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So I was not expecting you to talk about that today, but <laughs> yep. Um, but back to the business stuff, <laughs> uh, during that time, uh, someone will be bringing me food. Yes. But also. Um, I have one guy who's currently working full time. We'll be starting training a new hire and then Cole will be, uh, handling all the estimates and, uh, be a good little test of kind of like a stress test of what happens when we have like three people working and I'm out of commission. So we'll see what happens, but wish me luck. Uh, is Cole the one who was at the landscape summit? Yep. Okay. Yep. Is he your full time? No, so he's finishing up school right now, so he's still part-time, but luckily my procedure lines up with his spring break pretty well. Okay. So um, everything should go decently smoothly, but I'm sure there will be some hiccups. Yeah. Cool. All right, yeah, so you sounds like you got um, some work coming along and uh, just trying to get everything, um, you know, situated before – the spring rush hits, which is a pretty smart idea, you know, because you don't want to be so overwhelmed that, you know, you're you're trying you're you're taking on work that you might not necessarily be able to handle, and then it just becomes too much and feel burnt out. Um, so yeah, that's good. Uh, but as far as like pricing, um, you know, I I don't know how much you can exactly share as far as like a, a price matrix, uh, but I know. Augusta uses uh, a pricing matrix. Uh, Copilot, uh, the CRM, which um, I'm using, is that's something that they're going to be implementing, I think, sometime this year. I'm not exactly sure when, but, um, you know, that's just something I'm really excited to be, uh, to use myself. Uh, you know, just because you, you drive by a property and you know, you just kind of like eyeball it and then you're like, okay, yeah, it'll be this. And you could be right with your price and, you know, you could be wrong. 
so as far as like pricing and the pricing matrix, um, maybe just tell us a little bit about like what it is, um, you know, and if, if as far as like punching in numbers, you know, like what, what is it essentially? Yeah. So what a, a pricing rate matrix is, is it's essentially like an expel, uh, Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> there we go. Um, where you have like different ranges. So everyone's lawn is going to be a certain amount of square feet. Um, and so we have like different ranges. So like every 500 square feet is an extra like $5 or $10. Honestly, not exactly what mine, not exactly sure what mine is at, but, um, like I think my like interval is either 500 or a thousand square feet. Obviously, like if you're used to mowing, like if most of your like mowing jobs are like, Oh, it's one acres or it's three acres or it's two acres. You probably don't need to have a new price every 50 square feet <laughs> because an acre is like 40 something thousand square yeah. feet. We think we're not really sure. So definitely <laughs> blow up the comments if we're wrong on that. I but, think it is right around like 40, 44, something like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, yeah. The main factors that like basically what it is, is it's just trying to get you a shortcut to budgeted hours, which is how long you think it'll take us or take, take you to mow the lawn. So if you know, like a good place to start is what would you say is your average price lawn and how long does that average price lawn take to mow with a certain piece of equipment? I recommend, um, using your smallest piece of equipment that's standard on each crew. So if every crew has like a 30 inch, but then some of them have like a 48 inch, mm -hmm. you should price everything based off the 30 inch so that, because if you price everything based off the 48 inch, when the crew that doesn't have a 48 inch comes there and they're mowing it with a 30 inch, they're not going to hit their times. So you'd rather beat your time than like be way over it. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you just take kind of as a starting point, take your average lawn and your average price and figure out how long it takes you to mow that. Um, if you know your hourly rate, that's great because you figure out, okay, hourly rate times how long it takes. So let's say your hourly rate is $80 an hour and it takes one budget hour to mow it. You should be charging $80. So let's say, okay, I should be charging $80 for this lawn. How big is it? Is it 10,000 square feet? Okay, awesome. Let's put that as an average. 10,000 square feet usually takes about one budgeted hour, which would be $80 per hour. Then from there, you can go down. You can go to 9,000, 8,000, 7,000, 6,000, 5,000 square feet. You can go up, you know. Um, after 10 comes 11 and then 12 <laughs> and then maybe you jump to 15, whatever. You create that rate matrix and you can kind of, it's something you can dial in over time but at least having it, because if you're not tracking how long does this, like a 12,000 square foot lawn take, it's gonna be hard to estimate that accurately. So just beginning it, it's more important that you make one than that it's perfect the first time, because in all reality, it's not gonna be perfect the first time. And even if you have dialed, you have it dialed in, there's always gonna be that client where they have a ton of trees or they have a ton of toys in the yard. So in that case, I recommend have your, have your rate matrix ready to go, give them a price. But if you show up and you're consistently over budgeted hours and you realize there's nothing more you can do, that's why I believe it's important to not have a contract because yes, it's a good selling point and creates less friction in the sales process. 
but also it enables you to raise the price when you need to raise the price. Um, so you're talking about contracts for what, just residential? Yeah. For just residential. Like if you lock someone into like a two year contract and then we happen to have inflation makes it a little tricky to raise prices. Or if they have dog toys everywhere, like, and you're spending five, 10 minutes each week picking the dog toys, but you've signed a contract with them saying we're servicing you at this price makes it difficult to raise the price then on them. So do, do, People actually use contracts for residential? Yeah. It's not super popular in Colorado, but like in the South, it's a little more popular. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I couldn't imagine customers here being down with a contract. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't like it either because yeah. it's just like you said, like it, it limits my ability, um, you know, to, to charge for if there's excessive pet waste or excessive growth or it's wet or they're doing they're they're doing the roof and we have to skip it because you know there's all this stuff scattered in the lawn and they didn't let me know mm-hmm. so i wasted the time to drive out there and i couldn't do it um yeah i i have so many i i don't do it much but i have so many fees for things that are kind of bogus you know yeah so got to do what you got to do, right? At the end of the day, we are yeah. for-profit businesses, and we kind of got to turn exactly. them so, so the the pricing matrix is more for for mowing, right? You don't have something like that for rock or sod install or mulch or cleanups or anything? Yeah, so what I would recommend specifically, so I would separate the cleanups and then, the, like, the products. So... Anytime you're selling like a product like mulch or rock or even landscape fabric, if you do pavers, um, if you install plants even, I used to do a lot of that stuff. I do hardly any of that anymore. Like we literally will install a medium brown mulch (laughs) and that's about it. We did a little bit of sod last week, or I guess that was this week. Um, But during the busy season, we basically install mulch and that's about it. Trying to keep it super simple. But if you are selling products, what I would recommend is figure out, okay, what does it cost me to get this product from my supplier? So say for mulch, they charge you $30 for mulch. You're going to want to then mark that up to the customer. So, I mean, I like to mark stuff up like 50% around there. So now you're charging $45 per yard of mulch. Then you figure out, okay, what does it cost? And that's just delivered. for the mulch. Like you, you're making yeah, a profit that's, on there's the mulch. no labor. That's just materials. Yeah. So if theoretically, if a client was like, yeah, can you just deliver like eight yards of mulch <laughs> and not install it? I'd mark it up 50% and then like charge them like a delivery fee also mm-hmm. marked up. So even if you're delivering it yourself, you need to make sure you're still covered for that time. So a delivery fee either, either for your time or to pay um, the company to deliver the mulch. Have you gotten uh, mulch delivered recently? Um, yes. How much was the delivery fee? That do you do you know? Um, I I can actually pull it up. I have a picture of it. I did I did some mulch last year, and it was it was too big for what my trailer could handle. Yeah, it was like ninety nine dollars. Yeah, that sounds about right. Let's see. This is my receipts group chat. And that's not the receipt. Dang, we spend a lot of money. 
So yeah, that, like there's all these there's all these things that you need to factor in, like you know when you're doing sod or mulch, especially mulch, you know, because because that delivery fee alone. Why is this invoice so hard to read? $125.05 is what we got charged for delivering six yards of mulch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> About the same price as how much the mulch cost. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I think last year the mulch was right around like, I think if you're a contractor, you could get for like 23 or 24 at certain places. Yeah, I think I think I paid 29 contractor price for okay. this. But yeah, that 23 sounds pretty pretty good. That might have been shoot. We're in twenty twenty three now. That might have been in twenty twenty one. Everything's <laughs> gone up so yeah. much, dude. Seed in in uh, twenty twenty one was like eighty dollars for a fifty pound bag. Jeez. And then like last year, it was like almost two hundred. Yeah. Dang. So, yeah, I tell that to my customers this spring, and you know, everyone's like they they understand. I think especially more so in Colorado, because I think Colorado has uh, like one of the highest inflation rates in the in the country and you know everything's just everything's just getting more and more expensive yep gas gas like i had uh i had some family come in in uh late january and they're from oklahoma and they were astonished by how expensive our gas was yeah (laughs) i don't i like i feel like i don't pay super close attention to gas prices kind of side tangent but sometimes i'll just be at the pump and i swear they were like gas was like three dollars a gallon like just a few days ago but i literally filled up my truck last night and it was 130 bucks and i was like what since when like is gas like and i was in frisco um that so that, kind that of was that it. was part of it but it was almost five dollars a gallon and i didn't yeah. really like look at it and then it's I always like, more expensive yeah. in the in the mountains yeah so going back to the price matrix um you were talking about like uh hourly rate yep um, cause I know there's a difference between your, um, shoot, what is it? It's, it's, there's, there's two, like the effective Oh yeah, yeah. and your goal, right? Your, your goal hourly rate and the effective yeah. hourly rate. So, and that's, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's such a good point. Everyone likes to talk about their hourly rate. I charge this, I charge this, I charge this. But what really matters is what is your effective hourly rate? Because you can say you charge a client $200 an hour, but if your effective hourly rate is $60 an hour, you're probably charging about 80 to the client. So I would worry more about your effective hourly rate as opposed to your, um, what, what, like your man hour rate, I mm-hmm. guess. Unless you're just starting out and you don't have route density, then it's pretty brutal. But I can tell you, like when I was starting out here in Denver last year, I did the numbers and our effective hourly rate was $33 an hour. <laughs> a little scary, especially when you're saying that you're charging 80. So, but that was a route density issue. And it was a little bit of like not being trained up, not having um, my prices where they needed to be. So, but that's why it's so important because a lot of times you'll see Mike on a consulting call and he'll be like, Oh, what's your hourly rate? And then they'll go through, okay, how much revenue did you do yesterday? And it'll be like, so they'll be like, Oh, hourly rate, $80 an hour and be like, Oh, that's awesome. And then go talk me through what a crew did yesterday. It'll be like a crew of two did $600 yesterday and they worked a 10 hour day. And you're like, well, that's very short of $80 an hour. So 
I know you think you're charging that, but you need to you need to check your effective hourly rate, like how many hours you're actually clocked in, um, and how much revenue you actually produce during that time. And I, because I actually have a, a spreadsheet that I use to help determine my effective hourly rate, and uh, and then I convert that into uh, an efficiency score. Because I watched a video from Mike talking about the efficiency score. And I was all about, like the past two years, I was all about, um, you know, my permanent hour rate, like getting my permanent hour rate up really high. Yeah. Which is great, you know, because then you know how much you're making on a specific job or a specific lawn or whatever. And then I watched the video where he's talking about efficiency score. And then when you start taking that and you start seeing your effective hourly rate and you're like, Oh, I'm making $123 on, on this lawn, you know, and there's math that goes into it. You know, it might, it might be like a $30 lawn, but affect like while you're on that lawn, if you were on that lawn for one hour, each person would have done $120 in revenue. Yeah. But with the effective hourly rate, when you start seeing that number go lower and lower and lower and lower, you're just like, it opens your eyes to so much more of the number side of the business and things that can, like, what are some things that can affect, affect your effective hourly rate? So essentially there's two factors. Um, Cause you mentioned dry, uh, route density. Yeah. So in the equation to make um, your um, effectively hour rate, effectively hour, hourly rate, jeez. Effective hourly effectively. rate. Oh, I was saying effectively, <laughs> dang. Effective hourly rate. Yeah. I got it. There we go. Um, there's two factors, labor revenue and clocked hours. So either you need to work less and make the same amount of money or you need to like if your work is staying the same you need to make more money if you're if you're trying to increase it so yeah like the the ways you can do that is you can have closer route density so you're not driving as much between the lawns you can just work faster at the lawns you could potentially buy equipment that makes your um jobs go quicker you could well there because because there comes a point i think when you can't become any more efficient yeah you can't be any quicker on a lawn without sacrificing quality and then, yeah. you know you don't want to do that yeah and something interesting that uh dirt monkey on youtube said was like efficiency is not the end-all be-all of your business like your business exists for something more than just to be the most efficient so the way I like to think about it, as long as team members are above base pay, like, yeah, it's great if they make $30 an hour. It's great if they make 35 on a on a week. But if you're above 18 and you're doing quality work, like, that's good enough. We don't need to, like, at the end of the day, like, if you need to make, if you're wanting to move up and make more money, you can only be so efficient on a lawn without getting a yell slip, and you can only do it so quickly. Mm-hmm. And you can only raise prices so much because that would be another factor in order to make more money in the same amount of time as just raise your prices. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to move up and do a general manager position, become a business owner if you want to make more, because we we don't 
like limit what people can make on p4p but like there is like the grass still has to get cut and trimmed and Mm -hmm. you have to blow off the sidewalks and everything so yeah there there is somewhat of a of a limit on that i guess but you can go into other services um not that I recommend just like, I feel like a lot of the stuff I'm saying right now, like potential things, like I wouldn't recommend buying equipment, like super expensive equipment so you can get a lawn done like two minutes faster. Like to me, that's a poor trade off. And I wouldn't recommend expanding services just because so what, it looks like it's fun. Yeah. What if you have, like, what if you can use that piece of equipment on every single lawn, like 25 lawns per day? This is a hypothetical. Okay. Just because you can. Uh, it depends like how much more efficient it makes you. And ultimately it depends what your goals are. If your goals are to scale quicker, you're probably not going to spend more money on each like setup you have each crew. Cause the more you spend on each crew, um, if all other things stay the same, like the longer it's going to take you to scale. So one thing I do is I try to spend less on each crew, like in terms of equipment and like, obviously they need certain things like the, they have to go out there with a lawnmower. Like, <laughs> they have to have a lawnmower. They have to have a line trimmer, and they have to have a blower. Yeah. And um, oh, I thought that was me. Nope, that's my uh, weekday alarm for nine o'clock. <laughs> Get out of bed. <laughs> um, yeah. So they have to have certain stuff, but still, if you can, if you can keep what it costs you to get another crew out on the road lower, you can get more crews out on the road, um, and scale quicker, and ultimately. By doing that, scaling quicker, you're actually providing more opportunity for your team. Um, so you instead of saying taking that fifteen thousand for a new piece of equipment, use that for another crew. Yeah. So if say like you're looking at a fifteen thousand dollar mower and it's going to save you two minutes on every lawn every single day, if your goal, like, if your goal is to not grow and just be more efficient, and say you're like, I don't want to grow anymore. And I don't necessarily need like the $15,000. Like I want this mower because I'll be using it every day. Then like that aligns with your goals. So go ahead and do it. But if your goal is to grow a big business like fast and you're just trying to scale fast and you're trying to hire more people like that $15,000 can get you a truck, a couple push mowers and like basically another setup. If you're, if you are super disciplined about how you spend that, excuse me. So, yeah, if your goal is to get more crews on the road, then filter your decision through that framework. Okay. So, yeah, if you're spending that 15000 on a new mower. Yeah. I would say. you're saving, yeah, you're saving about two minutes. You can maybe add a few more yards at the end of the day. Yeah. Which is, you know, maybe anywhere from probably 60 to a couple hundred bucks, depending on the size of the lawn. Yeah. So, like. Or you could take that. And make a thousand more dollars per day. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to articulate it. Okay. Yeah, you <laughs> you did a lot better job of like <laughs> illustrating that than that's what I was trying to get at. Okay. But yeah. No, definitely. But if your goal is like I'm gonna stay at this size, and my goal is just to figure out how much this truck can do in a day, well then that that purchase aligns with your goals. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that's the most important thing is like realizing what you want and not. And, um, yeah, making decisions based off of that, not what other people are doing or not what you like your like knee jerk reaction is, Oh, I want that like shiny piece of equipment. Like we all do. We all want a nice truck. 
with cup holders and USB chargers yeah. and, and phone holders and yeah. So I was because I I was just thinking uh, in my head about um, you know because I want to I want to make more money this year and uh, you know kind of going back to pricing I've increased my prices and you know so automatically I'm going to be making more money mm-hmm. um i can't remember where exactly i was going with this but you're wanting to make more money this year that's yeah your goal. okay i now i remember um because because we mike talked about this at landscape summit was increasing capacity yeah so increasing capacity like in terms of just like in general, are you talking about like personal capacity or like equipment or like labor capacity? I th- I, I I think it's p- probably just like crew capacity. Because um, for me right now, I definitely think you know I c- I could probably like double my day. Yeah. Like as it stands right now. Yeah, I'm I you know I'm probably going to be working some long hours, but doubling my day would double my in, my revenue. Yeah. And there's no equipment that I would need to spend or or buy, no truck, no mower. Yeah, I might need, you know, maybe another trimmer or another blower. But, but you'll pay that off in a day, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> from or from less. the revenue alone, like yeah. that's like oh yeah, so okay, something broke. Okay, yeah, let's, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks and buy a new one. No, we won't have to worry about maintenance issues. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but last year, didn't you say like about 50% of your revenue went to cover expenses and about 50% was essentially what you could pay yourself for profit? I don't know. Maybe I was talking to someone else. <laughs> well, I think that was someone else. Shoot. It might have been. It, it must have been. But anyways, um... Yeah, essentially, like, so you're at, right, one truck and a trailer, like, one setup, kind of, and mm-hmm. are you planning on having someone work with you full-time through, like, the busy season? Well, I'd need to. Yeah. Because um, my capacity right now, if I was by myself, I could do it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's nice having an extra set of hands. Like, if I could pay someone to, like, help me. With, because I I honestly I hate having to mow and then having to go get a trimmer and then having to blow, like it's just it's a lot to do for one person. Mm-hmm. So just like having someone, you know, either mow while you trim or you know they trim while you mow or whatever. I think I said the same thing actually. <laughs> if if basically like you can kind of like switch, you yeah. know, and it's, it just takes that much off of off of your plate. Um, you know, on each lawn. So yeah, if I, if I want to double my capacity, my doubling my capacity is me and someone else. Yeah. If I was to not have someone. Yeah. In terms, in terms of labor capacity, like at the end of the day, you can only work so much by yourself, but if you hire someone all of a sudden, like labor wise, you guys can do twice the work theoretically. So, and that's, you also look at your equipment capacity. Like you can fit two people in your truck, not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably have all the equipment on your trailer for two people to use at a lawn. Like you said, maybe you need another trimmer or a blower, but that's not that bad. 
And so if you look at it, like you hiring someone is really not going to increase your fixed expense. Like you're running out of your garage, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't need to spend any more on rent. You don't need to spend any more on your truck insurance. You don't need to buy another truck. You don't need to paint another truck. You don't need to decal another truck. Like there's a lot of expenses you don't need to like increase when you have that full-time person working with you. And if you think about it, so I don't really know. So I'm just going to speak out of turn here, but let's say you're doing 10,000 a month by yourself. If you have someone with you and now you're doing 20,000 a month, let's say that 10,000 a month for you was 50% profit. So you're making 5,000 that you could pay yourself like after expenses. Well, on the other 10,000 on top of that, so now you're doing 20,000, you and another guy still in your truck of that 10,000 that he's producing on top of that, I would be willing to bet that's 75 percent. Well, we're on P for P. So you're paying him. Wait a second. Okay. You're paying him a sixth of the total. Why is this so difficult for me to do? So because it's early on a Saturday morning. Yeah, because it's early on a Saturday morning. Okay. <laughs> you're pay- okay. Of the ten thousand that he's producing, you're paying him a third of that. I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah, yeah. So he's about thirty three hundred dollars. About thirty three hundred dollars per Other month. Other than that, your per expenses. Month, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Per month. If he's producing 10,000 of labor revenue, but other than that, there's not a ton of other expenses that you'll need to increase or incur to hire him. So that leaves you with 6,700 left. And that's, you know, that's 67% as opposed to 50% profit, which 50% is maybe even a little generous on 10,000. I don't know. It's a little different for a solo operator. So I don't want to speak of what your profit margins are. You would know better than I, but the point is, as you get closer to your capacity in terms of like equipment, you're going to become more profitable. The, the top half of that $20,000 that he's producing is more profitable revenue. So it's more important to fill to capacity with two people because even if you charge less per hour, it's more important that you get that extra $10,000 each month because it's going to be at a higher percent margin. Okay. That if that kind of makes sense. So yeah. and that's why it's so important. Like, Let's say in our example, more like with Augusta, typically when you're small, you're going to have a little bit higher expenses because they're paying franchise fees. Like we're paying for a professional website. We're paying for a business coach. We're paying for the masterminds. We're paying for done for you ads. So many things, which are great. And I absolutely love them, but it means as like a solo operator, you're going to have higher expenses. So let's say you're doing 8,000 a month and your expenses inside of Augusta are 6,000 a month a lot of those are going to be fixed. And so it's so important for that person to get to like, let's say 11,000 a month from 8,000 to 11,000, because that extra 3000 a month is going to be, it's going to be not pure profit, but it's going to be so much more profitable because you've already covered your fixed expenses. So that's why like, and it's a little bit of a dangerous game to play. Cause then you can just say, Oh, I'll just work 70 hours a week because I know you know, I'm, I'm regularly working 40. I'm like kind of making enough to cover my expenses, but those extra 30 hours that you work each week are going to be ultra profitable. And then that way, that's where, um, personal capacity comes into play because you got to realize, okay, what are my personal goals? How much time do I realistically want to spend working? Like what other obligations do I have with my family, with my church, with other relationships? And so that's really important. And then also like just, yeah, like mental health wise and like quality of life so yeah they kind of all labor capacity equipment capacity and personal capacity all kind of balance each other out yeah 
Wow. Um, so uh, we we kind of it, it seems like we kind of zigzagged a little. We're bit We're just going there. Maybe you'll have to like just chop this up and figure out when we go like in a straight line for like two and a half minutes. And yeah. Like, well, right. I mean, there's there you know there's there's a few other things you know that I wanted to uh, to kind of go back on as far as um, you know like the pricing matrix. Um, I don't know. We have maybe five, 10 minutes left. I think that, you know, maybe we can kind of dive more into, um, you know, just like, cause I, I know a lot of people struggle with pricing. Yeah. And when I first started out, that was like all the accounts that I got, I got from someone who I felt that their prices were way too low. Yeah. And while it was nice that first year because I was making way more than what I was working for someone else, it there were times when it was just like, okay, this isn't worth it. You know, like like I, I always go back to aerating because aerating just sucks. And I knew like for, for the past like 10, 15 years, it seems like everyone was charging like $35 to, to aerate a lawn. And... It, it was it was Brian's lawn maintenance video where I watched him talk about his pricing for air rating and he was like like $120 or something like that. I was like, oh my gosh, like th- no, there's no way. Yeah. And also with like uh, fall cleanups, like I heard so many people on YouTube talk about, oh, like now's the time to make that money in the fall. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like. Leaves aren't supposed to be profitable. Fall cleanups aren't supposed to be profitable. And then, you know, like taking that whole, everything that I had watched and learned into 2021, like it was just, it was amazing. And then taking that into 2022 was amazing even more. And now come 2023, it's, you know, like, yeah, my prices went up, not that much. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe we could just talk a little bit about, um, you know, like pricing. Um, how do you come to the pricing where you're at? Cause you said you struggle a little bit with your pricing or you think you do. Yeah. I would say in general, I'm optimistic. And in terms of the estimating process, I always think everything will go smoothly and we'll get it done super quickly and we'll get it done in like one run to the dump instead of three <laughs> and like that is just something i've like struggled with like the whole time i've been doing like bids and estimates and proposals and that sort of stuff is i'm just always like really optimistic <laughs> do you and charge a dump fee yeah yeah we do but when you charge one dump fee and you go three times <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> pointless but yeah can you repeat the question i'm sorry with your pricing, yeah, how do you come up with your pricing? Because um, you said you had struggled with your pricing. Yeah. So how do you come up with it? And if you do run into issues, how do you resolve those? Um, do you just kind of bite the bullet and, you know, like, oh, lesson learned? And if you do learn that lesson, what do you do for the next time that you have like a, a bid that you need to do yeah so anytime i underprice things or on the back end i quote um I'm trying to think 
Yeah, there's a leaf cleanup like a week or two that I did, and I I quoted one dump fee, and it took us three. But we like hard rule. Don't ever like what we quote the customer and what they agree to is what we charge regardless of it takes if it takes us one dump run like I thought or if it takes us three because they signed up for a certain price to have the services done. So when they agree to that, we're here to work until it's done, regardless if like it takes multiple runs of dump, uh, multiple runs to the dump that I wasn't accounting for. However, what you can do and what I'll do, for example, with mulch is when I quote a six yard mulch install, I'll say we are installing six yards of mulch. So if we install those six yards of mulch and they're like, oh man, I wanted it thicker. It's like, well, we installed our six yards. That's what you signed up for. If you want two more yards, here's the price for a change order. You could do the same thing with a leaf cleanup and be like, all right, we're quoting this job. Um, it includes one full trailer full of leaves. Um, and then theoretically you could say, oh man, that's a little bit, I would say that's a little bit trickier than mulch because mm-hmm. like if they're accepting a leaf cleanup and you underestimate how many loads it is, and then you have to come back and be like, sorry, that's two more loads and it like almost doubles their price. That sounds a little shady to me. Um, especially cause you're potentially incentivized to underbid it and then come back and charge them more. <laughs> so I feel a little less right about doing that for leaf cleanups. The moral of the story is just realize as an estimator that if you're doing it a ton, you're going to get better at it and you're going to get more accurate. But next time I go to bid a leaf cleanup, I'll know, Oh, this is probably two or three instead of one. Like I bid last How time. How much is your dump fee? Um, I could be wrong. I think it's one. We have two different, like two levels of dump fees. The verbiage is like truck bed of debris and trailer of debris. The truck bed I think is ninety nine bucks, and the trailer is one ninety nine. So if they have a leaf cleanup for two hundred dollars, it would be a ninety nine dollar dump fee. So it'd be two hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah. So the customer doesn't see like dump fee in there, but when I price something, I'm like, oh, it's gonna take. Two hours, I'm going to charge them my estimate fee, which covers my time to do the estimate and command center's admin time to type it up, follow up with the person, um, and then the dump fee. So they just see one flat price, but how I come up with that price is how many hours for the crew, I got to cover my time as the estimator, and we have to cover our cost to dump it. So let's say it's a leaf cleanup. It's going to take two hours. I charge $80 an hour. There's $160 right there. Let's say it's a $99 dump fee. You add that on. So that's quick math, $259. Is that? Nope, $249. Mm, $259. Yeah, $259. $259. We're at $259. (laughs) $160 plus $99. Yeah, wow, what a hard math equation. (laughs) That really took it out of me. We're at $259. And then estimate fee, I think, is at $50 right now. So that gives us a grand total of $309, I believe. For what, what was that, $50? $50, I think. For for what? For an estimate fee. Okay. So, uh, yes, we give free estimates, but we charge it on the back end. Because, <laughs> like, we're a business, right? You can't just magically have an estimator that you paid to do estimates. Yeah, if, if someone says free estimates, like, chances are they're probably making that up on the back end. Yeah, and it's the same thing with, like, 0% financing. Like, the company can't just magically give you free money. <laughs> like, they're charging you more for the vehicle on the front end. Like, that's how it works. So, yeah. But so, to so the customers, customers that don't exist, like, we don't charge customers that decline their estimate, like, their estimate fee. So, yeah, yeah. it is free still, but we still have to make money. Mm-hmm. So, how how... 
So a two-hour leave cleanup would you said would be like around three oh nine? Yep. Is that for two two person crew? It, it doesn't matter. There's two budgeted hours there, so um, we pay our employees a third of that. So a third of one hundred and sixty would be fifty three dollars and thirty three cents, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. It probably is. So if two guys go there, they're gonna split that three dollars. If one guy goes there, they're gonna get paid fifty three dollars. So if two guys go there. And it's two budgeted hours. That gives them one hour. Yeah, they should theoretically get it done in an hour. And if it's just you, you have two hours. Yep. So what would your effective hourly rate be on a job like that? So the way I would look at effectively... Effective? I still did it again. (laughs) I did it again. All right. The way I would look at effectively... (laughs) The way I would look at effective hourly rate is over the course of a day, over the course of the Here, week, wait, wait. over the course J- of the Just month. say effective hourly rate, and I'll take that out and dub it over all the times you messed up. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like super. You'll see my mouth go, like, rah, 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 and I'll be like, effective hourly rate. There you go. There we go. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go no, you're, you're totally good. Um, I'll try to talk a little better. But I would look at effective hourly rate over the course of a day, over the course of a week or a month, because on a job, like, of course it's going to be high on the job, but what kills, one of the things that kills your hourly rate is drive time, is gas station stops, lunch stops, being on your phone, pulling up to the job, sitting there for 10 minutes, um, which P4P solves most of those problems, if not all. But that's why it's important to not just like hyper focus on one job. Cause yes, like let's like, if you're just looking at your hourly rate on the job, like let's say I bid something that's three hours away, but I bid it for half a budgeted hour and only takes me five minutes. Well, I just made like $400 an hour, except if you actually look at, if you include drive time, it totally wasn't worth it. Right. Uh huh. So that's why it's important to look at it over the course of a day. So like, let's say over the course of the day, Let's say you mow 12 lawns and they're each half a budgeted hour. So you did six budgeted hours in the day for like a one man crew. And let's say your hourly rate is, we're going to say $100 an hour. So you did six budgeted hours total, 12 half budgeted hour lawns. So six budgeted hours, $100 an hour. You made $600 labor revenue. Let's say you worked. 10 hour day so you made $600 in 10 hours that's $60 an hour effective hourly rate Mm -hmm. even though you say you charge $100 an hour effectively you make 60 an hour which 60 an hour is not bad that means on p4p if you're paying your guys a third you can afford to pay them $20 an hour so in certain places, $20 an hour is better than other places. Some people have a base pay that's $22 an hour. So that would be a bad day. But in other places, people would be stoked to make that. So um, you said one of the questions you asked is how do you come up with pricing? Some of it is actually you have to figure out, like, once you're beyond being solo, like what I would recommend is you're starting your business, you're solo. You need to fill that schedule. Like, it doesn't matter. In my opinion, if you're working for $40 an hour, you're you're working for $40 an hour. Book yourself out, like, three days or even a week at $40 an hour and then be like, all right, now we're going to do 50 or we're going to do 60 And then once you're booked out at $60 an hour, 
you either you want to hire someone or if you want to stay solo just keep increasing your prices um and if you're wanting to stay solo and more profitable it's just a matter of keep increasing your prices as you get booked out so for you if you're wanting to get up to two people working full-time in a truck maybe you start like you just bid lawn so that you're at 20,000 a month and then you get to that 20,000 a month it's may and it's absolutely insane then you raise all your prices hoping some people leave and you're back down to 18 and you get a few more lawns and you're back at 20 but you're way more profitable at that 20 you don't have to work as long of hours and then you're getting maxed out again and then you raise prices again and now you're at like 24,000 a month but you're not doing any more work cuz you raised prices so that's really when you hit capacity is when you either need to decide to you either make the decision we have cash and my personal goal or the business goal is to grow so you don't raise prices and you buy another setup or you hit capacity and you either don't have the capital or you personally like you don't want to grow the business and you just want to be more profitable then you raise prices but you don't make that decision until you hit capacity um but yeah so that was a side tangent. But yeah, um, back to effective hourly rate. I said it right. You did. I, let that be known. Let that be on record. <laughs> I'm glad we got this filmed. Um, yeah, I would look at it over the course of a week. So for example, I talked to you about last year and in April or May, I was looking at it and effectively we were making $33 an hour, which is not good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bad. But over the course of time, we got better. We got better route density, higher prices. And then there was a week in August where our effective hourly rate was $165 an hour. So, mowing lawns? Cutting grass. Yeah. Which is not, that was like the outlier, the highest week ever. Um, Well, and also August, usually our driest, one of our driest, hottest lawns. All the the lawns. You're breezing through the lawns, but I still pray good. Yeah, it was, I was like looking at the numbers and like, surely I did something wrong. (laughs) But also we have a couple lawns that are just priced like really high. Like we charge triple what it, like we charge like six budget hours and it really only takes like two. So we do have a few of those and that'll like skew, like that'll skew it. But um, obviously that's why it's important to not just look at that one lawn. You got to look at your week as a whole or your day as a whole. But being able to see that progress from $33 an hour to, you know, we were sitting around about $80 an hour effective hourly rate. And then we for did the have, year? For, for the year, yeah. Okay. Or I would say that was more average to the summer. I don't know because I wasn't running through P4P software, so I can't see back into when it was super bad when I first started. But that's why it's important to track that every week because if you don't, like – if you're just looking at your bank account balance and you're like, dang, we have no money. You don't know how to fix that problem except sell more unprofitable work. <laughs> and then you're just like, you it's just like a, it's just a cycle. So you need to like make sure you track that and then see, okay, we need better density. We need higher prices. And then you'll get there. Yeah. I, I ended up coming up with, um, you know, a spreadsheet on my own from that video. I watched a mics. And then I use that to, I, I, so I started using the efficiency score to help start doing P, my own version of like P for P. Um, you know, so how I did it, my helper, if we were, you know, above 75% efficiency for the day, I would keep like adding minutes or hours or whatever to his clocked in time 
until it brought it down to right around 75. Um, you know, so there were some times, you know, he was making $29, $30 an hour helping me mow. Yeah. Um, and I was still, you know, making, you know, pretty, pretty decent money. Um, you know, I think, gosh, I was probably anywhere between six and $800 a day mowing. Um, you know, and we'd work, we'd work five hours. Yeah. Um, and that's, so with joining co-pilot, one of the things it's still in beta. I think, you know, Mike is fairly open with that fact and, you know, having run it for the past couple of weeks, um, it is still in beta. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's definitely been some issues, but the the roadmap and the vision that he has for it, because right now you can, you know, it has like a KPI cockpit to where it can track, you know, I, I punch in two employees and then, you know, it has a space for, you know, your budgeted hours for the week, which, you know, two guys, that would be a typical 40 hour week, you know, so you have 80 budgeted hours. I, w- I would even say that's a little high. We we typically, for a full-time guy. So, like, if you're trying to be 75% efficient, you work 40 hours, but 75% efficiency would be getting 30 budget hours completed. Well, the thing with Copilot is you can punch in, like, how many – like, you can enter in your budgeted time for a specific lawn. Okay. So I I do my pricing kind of essentially based on $85 per man per hour for mowing. Okay. So I take so I ha- I have another part of my spreadsheet where I have a formula that I type in my price and then it based on my price and my goal of $85 per man it per hour. It kicks out your budgeted hours. Yeah, it kicks out my budgeted hours. You know, so like a a $40 uh a $40 lawn which is my new minimum for 2023. You're like 0.38 that, or something. That's 14 minutes for two guys. Okay. So it'd be 28 minutes Yep. for one guy. So when you create an event or a visit for, you know, that customer, you can punch in, you know, point whatever or 14 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then so that way it's going to keep track of all that stuff. And throughout time, you know, it's going to like fill that stuff in. And show me, you know, the budgeted or the the effective hourly rate versus like the budgeted. That's but, super cool. But you were saying, um, so what, if 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 I was to do thirty five or thirty instead of forty, would that? Because I'm I'm basing the workday on like eight out eight hours a day, five days a week. Or four? The, five days a week. Okay. Because I mow Monday through Thursday. And then Fridays, you know, say it for, you know, miscellaneous work or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seems like a pretty good, uh, an eight-hour day is, you know, nice and, or could be nice and productive. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say like because of drive time, let's say you hit each lawn, you do it exactly in the budgeted time. And we're saying, so if it's two people, you're 
in an eight-hour day at 75% efficiency, the two of you would be able to get done 12 budgeted hours. So then 12 times five, would, five days a week would be 60 budgeted hours a week. But if you're at 100% efficiency in an eight-hour day, you'd be able to do okay. 16 budgeted hours. So it's just like a matter of recognizing like you're not going to be perfectly efficient. And so scheduling-wise if you actually only want to work 40 hours in a week, you should probably only schedule yourself 30 budgeted hours. Cause that 40, when you take away drive time or inefficiency brings that down to 30, 35. Yeah. Yeah. I would okay. figure that out. And that's why it's important to know your effective hourly rate because potentially if your effective hourly rate is actually, um, the same as your hourly rate. So if you effectively make, 85 an hour and you're charging 85 an hour, then that would mean you have a hundred percent efficiency theoretically. And in a 40 hour week, you could actually do 40 budgeted hours, but you won't know that until you know your efficiency score. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Maybe I'll start adjusting that. And that'll help that hopefully prevent burnout because I, last spring, they were harping on this super, super big last spring. And I did the math. And in one week, I was just like, there's one week where I was just like hating my life. And I did the math and I was like, oh, I budgeted myself to work 67 budgeted hours. That would typically take someone, you know, 80, 85 hours like clocked in. So I was like, no wonder I was working like all day, every day for a week straight is because I like put double what I should have on my schedule. Mm -hmm. So just like scheduling from a budgeted hour standpoint, as opposed to like, Oh yeah, I think we could do like 20 loans in a day. Like it should be based off budget hours. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I didn't even think about equating, um, inefficiency into that because yeah if i'm scheduling work for 40 for for eight hours a day 40 hours a week and you still gotta there's do 15, estimates you gotta yeah. do invoices there's other stuff you well, have there's to do 15 as a 20 owner. minutes where you know you're getting ready in the morning you're getting equipment gassed up or whatever yeah and then 15 minutes driving to the neighborhood and then you know 10 minutes driving from one neighborhood to another neighborhood and then you're 20 minutes on the way home, 10 minutes unloading. Like all of a sudden now you're up to an hour. Yeah, just like that. So now instead of eight hours in that day, you're at nine hours. And if you do that over five days, you're at 45 hours. Yep. And then you have the week where your equipment breaks down or something <laughs> gets stolen. And then all of a sudden it rains. <laughs> and then what do you know? You're just working like week to week to week and you don't have any days off. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I we'll, we'll wrap up here pretty quick, but I ended up showing Wayne the uh, uh, efficiency score. Um, so, you know, he's going to start, you know, messing with that this year. And, um, yeah, I'll leave actually a link in the description because it's on a Google Sheet so I can, like, share it. Awesome. Um, you know, so I'll leave a link in the description, you know, if it's something you guys want to check out and, and just mess with. Uh, I also do have my P4P calculator mixed in with it. Um, but if that's something that you guys don't want to do, then, you know, just ignore it. But, it, you know, it, it shows you, you know, how many, like it, you punch in how many hours, you how many people, how many hours, 
and then it you know tells you your or you and then you punch in your target hourly rate and then it tells you your effective hourly rate and then it gives you an efficiency score based off of all of that and when i started doing that last year it was just like it was really an eye eye opener yeah and you know just just seeing the effective hourly rate because like i said that first year i was you know all about oh per minute hour rate per minute hour rate and like yeah my per minute hour rate was really high really good on you know most lawns and then i started looking at my my efficiency score and then i started looking at each day you know my efficiency score you know might have been 65 percent on like let's say monday i'm like oh man that's not good so I either need to become more efficient, which I don't think Jordan, who worked for me last year, and myself could get any more efficient, or I need to take on more work, or I need to increase my prices. And one of the easiest things to do was, um, you know, just taking on more work. Um, you know, being visible, showing up every day in the same neighbor or every day of the week. In the same neighborhood, um, you know, having having a shirt that has your company name, having a truck that has a logo and a phone number, so you know people just, oh yeah, I see that, I see that truck here every week. Um, you know, I think is is one of the best things you can do. And you know, I also you you know this, but I got you know um, an affiliate link with the postcards and all that stuff, lawn care media. Yeah. Uh, they actually just sent me a packet this week oh, really? with, uh, with like various designs and stuff. Uh, so I'm going to be doing a video on that and, you know, kind of talking about it cause I definitely, you know, want to start utilizing that in, in the neighborhoods I am. Cause that's one way you can, you know, increase your efficiency is, you know, doing, you, you do house a, but then getting the neighbors, Yep. then the neighbors and then the neighbors and, you know, all of a sudden you're, you know, doing like the whole block. And then your efficiency score is, you know, going to skyrocket. But some of those designs, I don't know if you've seen them, but some of the designs are, are pretty pretty rad looking, I think. Yeah, they got like some retro ones. And yeah, some that, that's that's actually what I like the most. Yeah. I was going to start using those for uh, fall cleanups because I think those, those are really cool. But they do EDDM. Um, they have instant quote ones too, yep. which, you know, I think is really cool. If you're, you know, out on a lawn, you can like fill it out, hang it on their door and it's like, boom, there's the price and you're already there. So you don't need to make a trip. You don't need to, you know, go to Google earth or, you know, whatever. And like, you know, do whatever. Cause you, you know, you can see if they have a small gate or a hill or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think specifically on those instant quote, there's been two or three guys now that I've talked to them. Um, and they specifically like passed out like 500 instant quote door hangers. And they're like, yeah, I only got like, passed out like 500, but I only got like seven accepted estimates from them. I was like, you got seven <laughs> accepted estimates from 500 door hangers. And like, they they were all like, yeah, the instant quote ones. And so I've ordered some, I have them. They're like Augusta branded ones, but I think they're like pretty similar to what is on lawncaremedia.com. Yeah, yeah. So you you get like a PDF or something to where you can like add your own number and and logo and you know then you can have them printed. Yeah, but the instant quote ones, yeah, I would definitely definitely go get those because I've heard just some crazy numbers in terms of like. When when he said that, was he like disappointed? 
Yeah, I had some people like there's this one dude I was talking Cause, to because that's recurring revenue. Yeah, like, like if you can pass good. out five hundred and get seven accepted estimates, like you should just hammer down and do that. <laughs> like, so yeah, I've heard some crazy numbers, especially like when you're the person doing it. Like you're the person determining the prices. So if you're out there cutting grass still, like just do a five around, mm-hmm. do a ten around, do a twenty around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Cause, cause each one's I think like twenty or thirty bucks. Or each, 40. each design. Yeah, each design. There's over like twenty designs or something, but then you can buy the whole thing for like four hundred bucks. And if you use code Ninja, <laughs> you get uh, let's see, what was it like twenty percent off? Twenty percent. Twenty percent off. You know, so for all the designs and the years to keep. Yeah. You know, you can t- like you know use them with Vista Print. You can t- take them to your local print shop. And, you know, have them print them out for you. Um, but, yeah, you know, you get to keep them and, you know, 20-some-odd designs for 300 and, uh, 360 bucks, which is a pretty good deal when, yeah. when you're having someone else design <coughs> design the stuff for you. Especially when you sell, like, one – yeah, I mean, it would take so much more. Like, let's say your hourly rate is $80 an hour. So like that's four hours of your time designing door hangers on a, like where most lawn care people are not good at designing door hangers, <laughs> myself included. So if you can just go work for four hours at your hourly rate and then pay someone else to get uh, proven door hangers that actually work, I would say that's the way to go. Um, I personally don't like, I don't make my, like I make my own ads, but I'm not the one taking the pictures. I'm not the one coming up with the creative. I'm not the one like making my own door hangers, like realize what you're good at and uh, mm-hmm. find people who are good at stuff that you're not good at. No. All right. Well, so we're sitting at uh, a little over an hour. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed this video. Uh, leave a like for Garrett. Um, cause when I had you on, you know, the, the first time there were a couple of people like, Oh, I want to hear more from Garrett. I think one of those guys might've been your friend. Or yeah. He's like my best friend from <laughs> high school. And he's like, Oh, I'd love to meet this guy someday. I was like, knock it off, Ryan. <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay. Yeah. And then he's like, Oh, I've known Garrett. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I appreciate you coming out, uh, early on a Saturday. And, uh, you know, we're going to be doing another lawn care accelerator. Uh, I'm thinking for the, uh, in about two weeks, Okay. you know, just before, you know, the, the season starts cracking off and, you know, we can hopefully chat with people and kind of see how winners were been and, you know, talk about goals and, you know, what the, what 2023 holds for everyone so yeah if you guys are in the Denver area and you do own a lawn care business um hit me a dm on instagram and uh you know we can invite you to the next meetup um so yeah garrett i appreciate it and uh yeah we'll see you guys in the next one see you guys bye